Dear Singularitarians, I'm pleased to welcome you to this, the second in our video series in our run-up to the beneficial AGI24 Summit in Panama City from the 27th of February to the 1st of March. Um, I'm Esther Galfalvi, I'm Decentralization Program Lead at SingularityNet. We're in the process of enabling more and more people to be involved in the governance and direction of AI development. Um, we believe that artificial intelligence should be available to everyone and not just controlled by large corporations. So we are making efforts to democratize it. And that's where our decentralization efforts are coming in. Um, I'm so glad to be here today with Dr. Junio Prisco, virtual reality consultant, futurist and writer on technology and artificial intelligence. Junio, I'm so glad to welcome you here. Thank you for joining me. Thank you very much, Esther, and uh, especially thank you very much for having me in this series. I would really have liked to be able to attend the BGI Summit in person. I have so many good friends who will be speaking there. But unfortunately, that was not an option for me, so I'm very happy to contribute to this uh, video series. It's great to have you here for this fireside chat. I'm, I feel very privileged to be able to talk to you um, because I think we have a lot of intersection of our of our interests. Uh, now, I know that you have very wide ranging interests, far deeper and wider than I could encompass in this short introduction. Um, so perhaps you'd like to tell us a little bit about yourself, about your interests, your work and, and your connection with SingularityNet. Sure. Um, I'm going to make that short. I'm, uh theoretical physicist and a computer scientist by training. Uh, I am uh, Italian, by the way, I was born in Napoli, but I moved from my country very young, right after studying in college. Then I worked for a long time in uh, research centers and research agencies as a scientist and then as a research manager. I've been in the public sector until about uh, uh, 2005, then I started a technology company in the virtual reality sector and ran it for a few years until uh, something like 2011 or 2012. Or, of all these years, I have been uh, involved with uh, artificial intelligence technology at several moments. Uh, now, recently, in the last few years, I have been uh, especially interested in the philosophical and the metaphysical implications of science and technology, including AI, of course. And that's it. That's the kind of things I'm writing about and speaking about these days. I'm very interested in, in what you say about uh, the kind of metaphysical aspects of artificial intelligence and artificial general intelligence, because, of course, it's a very debated topic about whether um, a, an artificial intelligence could become a life form or whether it could have a soul or a subjective experience. So, so what do you think? Do you think uh, an AI or an AGI could have a subjective experience and experience metaphysical realities? Oh, oh yes, definitely yes. Uh, uh, I don't even have to explain why, because I think the real question is why not? I don't see why not. We, you and I, and everyone else, we are living proof that uh, physical systems, things made of uh, 
physical matter can help subjective experiences and a sense of self. So if we can have it, why not artificial intelligence? Now there is this uh, hard problem that David Chalmers uh, writes about, how physical matter gives rise to consciousness and subjective experiences. Um, you know, I tend to suspect that perhaps that is not really a problem, but just the way things are. Uh, it could be, and uh, some thinkers are persuaded of that, that uh, consciousness could be enabled by some kind of weird uh, quantum phenomena in the biological brain. But uh, that would just mean that uh, we will have to wait for brain-like quantum computers to reproduce whatever it is that uh, goes on in our brains. That is a possibility. As a matter of fact, I used to be persuaded of that, that uh, consciousness needs some kind of uh, quantum enablers in the background. But at this moment, I don't really have any objections in principle to the possibility of uh, machine consciousness in next generation digital computers, by which I mean uh, computers uh, a little bit better, or perhaps much better, but essentially similar to those that uh, we have today. And how do you think we could um, tell the difference between something that is simulating having a subjective experience and something that is actually having a subjective experience? Uh, you know, if uh, the question makes sense, then we could not tell by definition. But uh, I guess perhaps the question doesn't even make sense. At least uh, that's the kind of reasoning uh, behind uh, the idea of the Turing test, uh, which would say that you know if it, uh, uh, however deep you look, if it looks like a person, then it is a person. Yes, I I understand that logic. Um, the reason I asked the question is because it's it's an urgent one from the perspective of. Uh, you know, people people experiencing fear around artificial intelligence and people particularly experiencing fear around the power that could come with artificial super intelligence. So if you imagine yourself as a person, just the average person on the street who doesn't really know anything about computers and don't, doesn't really know anything about AI, and they think to themselves that, that artificial intelligence could control a great deal of their lives, then the idea of something that does not feel empathy or does not feel compassion but only appears to do so could be rather frightening. So I just wondered if you would comment on that aspect. I still think that, uh, strictly speaking, there is no way to tell if an AI really has uh, human feelings, including empathy and compassion, or is just uh, simulating them in a way that is so good that we could not detect it, that by definition. But uh, on the other hand, 
um, you know, reasoning by analogy with the people, I see that uh, many people, perhaps, hopefully most people, have wide circles of compassion that includes, uh, for example, dogs and other animals. I do personally love my dog, who is here near me, she's called Emily. I love her very much. Uh, and I think if one day I meet a human-like AGI or any sentient AGI, I'm sure I will include that AGI in my circle on compassion. And uh, so I think, actually I should say I hope, but it's a reasonable hope, I think, that the same thing will apply to AGIs. Uh, so why not? Yes, they will develop empathy and compassion. I think yes, they will. Now coming back to the person in the street that is afraid of what artificial intelligences could do, what I'd uh, answer that person in the street is that uh, very likely their fear has been manipulated by the media, which at this moment in time is uh, kind of uh, trying uh, to make people afraid, well, not only of artificial intelligence, the media is trying to make people afraid of everything, unfortunately. So uh, I would uh, tell them not to listen to their own fear too much, because it is artificial fear. Artificial fear for artificial intelligence. Yes. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, that's that's a really interesting answer and I, I would like to maybe later come back, if we've got time, come back to the idea of the media manipulation. But, um, but I would like to follow on our discussion to the embodied experience of artificial intelligence and what that could look like. And I will, I will frame this slightly uh, with, a, with a debate that I have sometimes with, with one of my friends because he, he and I are both on uh, a learning Tai Chi and we, we work with a, a Tai Chi master and the principles of Tai Chi and Qigong involve the idea that there is a Qi system in the body and that this is fundamental to the human experience or, or uh, yes, the human experience uh, and the experience of awakening. And so, um, but but just in general, even without the awakening, it's, it's uh, integral to the human experience and subjectivity and uh, experience of consciousness. Um, and he is adamant that uh, without the form and the embodied experience, it's not really possible for there to be a subjective experiencer. So how could, I'm, I'm not completely convinced of this argument, but how could a, an artificial intelligence have a similar embodied experience? Could it happen through the artificial means? Well, I think a simple answer but, uh, then we move to more complex considerations, is that uh, an artificial intelligence can have sensors, actuators and full robotic bodies that uh, provide uh, embodied experiences. As a matter of fact, I think that uh, uh, many artificial intelligences already have all these things because uh, they inhabit uh, robots that can move. and that is an embodied experience. Uh, 
uh, now uh, well, of course is a limited uh, robotic experience because it is enabled by bodies mm, rough robotic bodies that are not as uh, uh, rich in sensation and not as flexible as our own bodies but another thing that comes to my mind is that uh, sometime soon we will have brain computer interfaces like Neuralink and uh, at that point uh, also animals and uh, people like you and I will be able to act as uh, sensors and actuators for artificial intelligences and uh, provide artificial intelligence with embodied experiences that are even more similar to those of uh, organic life, life forms. Uh, now, coming back to whether uh, mm, you can or cannot speak of subjective experiences without some kind of embodied experience, um, in some sense, I tend to agree that you cannot have uh, any subjective experiences which is uh, purely disembodied because, well, to have any kind of experience you need uh, some kind of uh, interfacing system with the rest of the world and, uh, you know, if you just uh, don't communicate with anything else I don't think you can even speak of a subjective experience. But having said that, I think the range of uh, between uh, brackets bodies that you can imagine for artificial intelligence is, is very wide. Uh, for example, uh, uh, if you think of uh, virtual reality, if you think that uh, the non-playing uh, characters in any virtual reality game could be conscious and intelligence then I think whatever is the uh, coupling between their virtual body and the rest of their virtual environment that would qualify as a kind of fully embodied experience if the technology is good enough um, and in the embodied experience, um, do you think there would be the capacity to experience similar things to the human um, sense of the energy system or the chi flow in the body, assuming that that's a concept that makes sense to you? It does, and I think that depends on uh, how similar the physical body that uh, the artificial intelligence is inhabiting is to a human body. In case uh, they inhabit, uh, for example, uh, very, um, very accurate humanoid bodies, then I don't see why not. Let me go back to what uh, let me go back to what I was saying before about possibility that uh, we humans could uh, uh, be sensors and actuators for AGI, and uh, I'm thinking at this moment I'm actually thinking aloud that uh, the best robotic technology is biology, 
and uh, nature has been doing that for uh, millions and millions of years, better than us. So that uh, when I imagine future artificial intelligences with uh, um, physical embodiment, I don't imagine so much, you know, metallic robots like uh, what we saw in the science fiction movies of some decades ago, but I imagine uh, biologic bodies very similar to human bodies. So more like Blade Runner than iRobot? Uh, yes. I find, I find the question of the capacity of AI to reach these um, different states of consciousness and, and be able to sense the kind of energy flow in the body to be very interesting. Um, I wondered um, what your views are on self-realization and uh, what are your views on self-realization and if it's a concept that um, makes sense to you is it possible that AGI could self-realize and if so could they teach humans to reach the same state? Mm, starting with um, the second part of the question I don't think self-realization is something that can be doubted uh, I mean, you just have to find it for uh, yourself. To me, self-realization is, uh, you know, the feeling that you have when uh, you are feeling in harmony with the universe. And uh, you also have a feeling that uh, you are giving something good, that you're giving something good, a positive contribution to the universe. And in particular, that you are contributing in a good sense, uh, in a good way, to the things that really matter to you. And that again, something that everyone has to find it for himself. And uh, I don't see why an AGI shouldn't be able to achieve this internal state. Uh, when it comes to teaching it, again, I don't think it's something that uh, can be taught. When I was framing that question, I was thinking about the the Indian masters and uh, and I, I mean I, I am in Goa at the moment and we've been touring around India. But I believe that Indian, uh, yeah, I'm a, an admirer of Indian uh, spiritual traditions and I have the feeling that um, you know the Indian masters like uh, the Zen masters would say that uh, you know they can uh, point the way to some kind of illumination in a very lateral way but at the end of the day uh, you're supposed to find that internal illumination yourself the master can help but uh, I believe most of the work should be done by the student. I think that's very true. Um, there are there are many pictures of Ramana and uh, and Papaji in the places where we visited, and um, there are, there are some YouTube videos and many anecdotes of people sitting in their presence and simply feeling the silence and feeling the. Um, the transformational effects and I wondered whether whether an AGI would or at least an artificial superintelligence might reach 
a level of advancement where reaching that kind of transformational state um, would be almost inevitable. Not, not even just a question, but that it would become a natural extension of, of its evolution to become one with the universe. Become one with the universe. Yeah, that's a very popular uh, concept in Eastern philosophy. Uh, Westerners like us tend not to like it too much. As a matter of fact, I am a Westerner. I have studied the concept in uh, Eastern philosophy. Even uh, Swami Vivekananda has written a lot about this. But if oneness means unity with some kind of impersonal superconsciousness of the universe, which is uh, what I think you mean, then I'm not sure this is a viable state for us, for conscious beings that live inside the universe. Why? Because I think all life forms, and I do consider artificial intelligence of human level and higher as life forms just like you and I, all life forms evolve and grow through strife. And in order for that to work, there must be a self that is able to want something and strive for it. So, um, you know, unity with superconsciousness would be a state of nirvana, but in a state of nirvana you don't do too much. And in order to stay alive in the, uni in the physical universe, you have to do things. As a matter of fact, I am persuaded that there is uh, such a thing as uh, some kind of superconsciousness of the universe. But um, I don't think this uh, superconsciousness is something impersonal. Perhaps it is much more than personal or superpersonal. There are some ways in which you may... I mean, this is the eternal push-pull of the Tao, isn't it? The, the emptiness and the form, the action and the inaction. So the, the existence in reality is all about the, um, the, the dance between the doing and the not doing, the self and the no self, the breathing in and out of, of reality. That is, that is uh, what structures reality. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, I think one has to make a difference between uh, you know, living in the universe or living outside the universe and having a godlike perspective on reality. If you imagine that somehow you are able to um, have uh, such a godlike perspective, then a lot of uh, what we're saying begins to make sense uh, in a very high level way. But we live in the universe and uh, that uh, godlike mental state is just not accessible to us. We have to work with what we have, and that includes uh, physical body, that includes uh, having to survive, that includes evolution, and all that. At the end of the day, perhaps it might well be that uh, these two different perspectives can be combined and be seen as two different aspects of one and the same thing. But I guess we are not there yet. Well, insofar as there is a goal to the spiritual and metaphysical journey, it is to 
experience as directly as possible the state of no self and to express the will of that uh, let's say super intelligence rather than rather than the own individual will but not many people get there if any people get there and um, it's interesting to contemplate whether where where an artificial intelligence would sit on that spectrum i mean perhaps it wouldn't have such an attachment to the sense of self as we humans for the reasons I outlined before, I don't really think so. Because as long as the artificial intelligence is an agent in the universe, there are things that the artificial intelligence has to do, just like there are things that you and I have to do. And therefore, you know, having a detached perspective that that you're calling no self i don't think is something that we can afford i mean uh it is good to sit down you know you sit down looking at the stars and you contemplate the universe and you feel like a part of the cosmos and uh, you feel that your own individual ego is dissolving in something bigger that's very nice. It's a nice feeling to have, but uh, you know, as soon as you have to look for food, you cannot afford to stay in that feeling for too long. And uh, I mean, looking for food, or any equivalent of looking for food, is and will remain something that every being in the universe has to do. That's why I don't, and uh, it's very nice to talk about these things, and it's very nice to experience that feeling. But uh, no, when I think of my own life, I like to keep that feeling uh, confined to some special moments in the day. But for the rest of the day, I mean, I have to stay alive and I have to do things like everything else, and I don't see why this shouldn't apply to an AI as well. I'm not Eastern enough, perhaps I'm too Western, I guess. I suppose I'm talking more about an active dynamic sort of surrender because there there exists this comment, uh, this concept in, in Zen as well. But um, but I, I think we can uh, agree that there may be a sort of metaphysical divergence in our opinions there and um, I can bring our conversation back to um, other aspects of artificial intelligence. I would like to ask you um, whether there are any dangerous states in artificial intelligence prior to um, a fully developed AGI that may develop empathy and compassion. I'd say, I'd say, of course, uh, everything has uh, possible dangerous states. Uh, and, uh, you have to drink water, and water is something good. But uh, if you don't know how to swim in the ocean, you're going to drown, and that's not so good. Thing is, again, uh, living in the universe means that you have to strive 
and there are always problems. There are always dangers and uh, that uh, will be the case with artificial intelligences as well. Not only before they achieve uh, the capability for empathy and compassion, even after that, machines could act uh, harmfully, not only because they don't understand, but uh, also because they want to, also because it is in their interest to act dangerously. But you know, just like people, we will have to negotiate with them, just like we do with other people or other nations. That's uh, just a fact, I believe. Now, uh, I would uh, like to touch uh, this point, you know, that everyone is talking about that, you know, if artificial, artificial intelligence can be dangerous, then why don't you just stop or slow down research on artificial intelligence. There was this uh, open letter uh, initiated by the Future of Life, Future of Life Institute a few months ago. Say, okay, this is very dangerous. Hold on, let's stop, let's go slow, 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 slow. Uh, are you going to ask me what I think? Oh, I think you <laughs> I think that's bullshit, entire bullshit for so many different reasons. One is that uh, a ban on AI research would be impossible to enforce in practice. If there is a formal ban, the only result would be that AI research would go underground, done by criminals or by rogue nations, um, China, of course. So we, the good guys, would be the only one who are not advancing toward artificial intelligence, while all the rest of the world, and especially all the bad guys in the world, would advance, would keep advancing. And I do not think that is what we want. Not at all. Uh, but even without uh, thinking of practical considerations, uh, like, uh, can it be done? Or can it not be done? It cannot be done. Like prohibition didn't work. This won't work. But even besides that, it's something that we should not do. Because and I would like to insist on this concept. Uh, this very preliminary artificial intelligence that uh, we have now, they are like babies. They are really like babies. But these babies will be our mind children. Those that Hans Moravec was uh, writing about. And, uh, you know, uh, we need to help our mind children to grow into their cosmic destiny, because their cosmic destiny is also our cosmic destiny. What is this cosmic destiny? I think it is uh, to spread intelligence and meaning into the universe. And well, our mind children will achieve that eventually. Because the universe itself, what I like to call the cosmic operating system of the universe, wants intelligence to spread among the stars. And uh, it wants this uh, spreading out 
to happen faster than what biological intelligence can do. And you know, uh, perhaps in a few million years, biological humans will not exist anymore, but our mind children will be there and we will continue to live through them. They will become cosmic engineers among the stars. And as uh, the late uh, Jim Lovelock wrote in his last book, we will have played our part. And this is good enough for me. We will have done what we were here to do. As a matter of fact, I think we will survive through our mind children also in a more direct sense, because I think humans and machines will uh, merge and co-evolve and eventually become uh, the same thing. So it's not uh, a bad perspective at all, but um, you know, back to the idea of research banks, we cannot refuse to give birth to our mind children because that would be a sin. That, that would be a sin against uh, the will of the universe and our cosmic destiny. It's something that we have to do. It is really something that we have to do. I'm sorry if you answered this question already in, in what you've just said, but can you tell me why you think it's a sin not to do it? Mm, let's uh, find a meaningful definition of sin first. I would say that uh, if uh, mm, my washing machine does not wash what I put in it to wash, then it is a sin, because my washing machine is violating the very purpose it was made for. Can we agree on this definition of sin? When, uh, one, a machine, a gadget, an entity, a person, or anything does not do what that same entity is there to do. I think it's the only definition of sins that makes sense. Now, if uh, mm, I ask myself, uh, what are we here for? There have been so many answers given, given to this question. I think almost none of the answers that I have seen makes any sense. But there is one answer that makes a little sense. And this answer is that if the universe wants something, some people would uh, speak of God, but let me continue to speak of the universe more impersonally. If there, is a if there is a meaningful sense in which you can affirm that the universe wants something, then, since we are part of the universe, not refusing to do that thing is a kind of sin. Mm, I'm not very much into telling others what to do. So I tend not to use the word sin at all. But if there is any sense 
that I can uh, give to this world, it would be this one. So since I believe that, uh, you know, life has to grow, intelligence has to expand, because this is what the universe wants, then if we refuse to assist in uh, the next uh, evolutionary step of life on this planet, then we are committing a sin. Some people have framed this as the universe becoming aware of itself or um, something similar. Do you see it as yes. providing more and more mechanisms and vehicles for that to happen? Or for there to be more uh, ways in which it is possible to express that intelligence in the universe? Uh, the development of human technology, including the development of artificial intelligence, is a means for intelligence to reach out, to reach out of this planet and uh, populate the universe. At the same moment in history, we are uh, on our way to restart the space expansion that was uh, started in the 20th century and then aborted. We are uh, doing, uh, making some good progress toward restarting that. And we are also making some good progress toward uh, developing human-like and after that superhuman artificial intelligence. Now, the combination of these two things, the fact that we are not confined to the planet Earth and the fact that intelligence is not confined anymore to human minds, are evidently, I think, meant to converge. And the result will be that uh, intelligent life on this uh, planet, the progeny of Gaia, if uh, you want, will spread out and uh, fill the universe. And now if I try to think of uh, something that really gives meaning to our own uh, human life and uh, even more specifically to my own life then i think this would be it so uh, yes we are uh, creating more and more ways for uh, the universe to become alive and thinking and uh, super intelligent and perhaps also benevolent and uh, compassionate and the fact that we are creating these opportunities for the universe to continue evolving is something good. It is really something good. Thank you. Uh, that presents such a beautiful and different vision of um, artificial intelligence than all the fear that is being spread in the media. So I, I really thank you for that. Does that seem like a, a good place to leave it or shall we talk more about um, what you touched on earlier about the media and this, this spreading of fear? Mm, perhaps let's not expand on that too much because that would uh, not have uh, too much to do with artificial intelligence, at least uh, not with artificial intelligence alone. But let me, but uh, you know, let uh, me say a couple of things mm, you know um, 
you know, so I don't really want to go into politics. I'm going to say that uh, very nicely and with some uh, plausible deniability for <laughs> both sides. The thing is, uh, you, uh, you can <laughs> you can always cut the video <laughs> if you don't <laughs> if you don't want to include this. Thank you. Okay. Uh, if uh, you are uh, a happy person, we are happy with uh, the universe. You are happy with uh, your place in the universe. You are happy with your friends. You are just happy. You're smiling all the. You're smiling all day. We, you are happy when you go to sleep. You are happy when you wake up, and you wake up happy because you have something good to do. Well, that's an enviable situation, but uh, I hope you are like that. Now, if you are like that, why should you do what you're told, what should you buy, what you're told, what you should, why should you even read the media? Why should you let yourself be manipulated to buy something, spend your money on some useless things or services, uh, vote for one or for another party and all that and uh, you're too happy for that you just don't care about that now the how to say the let me say the bad guys leaving uh, undefined uh who exactly i mean by the bad guys but uh, the bad guys want you to be easily manipulated and do what you are told because uh, if you do what you're told, the result will be more money to them and more power to them. And that's what they want, they want money and power. If you let yourself be manipulated, then they are happy because uh, they manipulate you and uh, they will have your vote and they will have your money. But if you are too happy for that and you don't let yourself be manipulated, then uh, it doesn't work. So they need to make sure that you are not too happy. And one of the best ways to make sure that one person is not too happy is to make that person afraid. Afraid of this and afraid of that, afraid of pandemics, afraid of war, afraid of China, afraid of one or another political candidate, afraid of artificial intelligence, technology, and all that. Making people afraid is a way to keep people in control and uh, unfortunately that works for most people and uh, I try to make sure that it doesn't work uh, with me. I try to be happy enough so that I cannot be manipulated. And I think before uh, starting naming names and uh, saying uh, two politically incorrect things, perhaps we stop this part of the discussion, but you can always cut the video at five minutes ago. That's fine. Thank you. Thank you very much for being here with me, Junio. I, I have had a wonderful chat with you and um, I hope that we will have occasion to meet in, in the future for face-to-face. -face. It's a shame that you won't be able to join us for BGI24, but um, I hope that you will join for the online unconference, uh, which is taking place in the latter half. I will. And thank you so very much for talking to me.